0: Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Barker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983.
2: Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's
3: complicated. I'm Addie Broyles. And I'm Alyssa Vidalis, coming to you from the shores of Lady Lake and the offices of the Austin American Statesman. Everybody loves warm cookies,
2: but not even Tiffany and Leon Chen could have imagined how much people love warm cookies delivered. The Austinites, who met in high school but fell in love at the University of Texas, are celebrating the 20th anniversary of their company, Tiff's Treats, which started as a cottage baking business in
3: Leon's College apartment. Now, they deliver thousands of warm cookies every day in Austin, Houston, Dallas, and have expanded to Nashville and Atlanta. We brought the cookie lovers into the studio to chat with them about the ins and outs of cookie delivery, hosting their own Cookie Olympics, and making it work as both life and business partners. For the second year, statesman music writers Peter Blackstock and Deborah Sengupta-Stith
2: have hosted the Austin 360 Awards, which honor the best of the local music scene.
3: I chatted with them about this year's honorees. And as always, we'll end our show with a toast, a set of recommendations of things we think you should be checking out right now. But first, pour a glass of cold milk and get ready for a cookie craving. Here's Tiffany and Leon Chen. Leanna Tiffany Chin, thanks so much for coming in
2: I Love You So Much. Thank
4: thanks you. for having us. Congratulations
2: having. on 20 years of delivering hot cookies around Austin. Thank you. Alyssa and I are big fans. Big fans. Big fans. Uh, 20 years is no small feat for any small business. And you're also married. Mm-hmm. And you met at UT when you were students. And uh, so I really just kind of... so cute. It's a meet cute. <laughs> I really want to hear just this origin story. When you celebrated your 10th anniversary, I wrote a pro- profile of you. And um, you were babies at the time. Not really, but you didn't have babies yet. You hadn't expanded outside of Texas yet at that time. And now you're national in some ways. So tell us how this all got started. Well,
4: first, I have a funny story about that 10 year um, story, because when we did that interview, we were not engaged. But for some reason, the caption accidentally read something about something, then something, then they got engaged. And we had to laugh about it. But my best friend, um, who didn't live in town at the time, called me and she's like, I can't believe you're engaged and you didn't tell me. So. What, was she like crying or something? <laughs> she was upset. Yeah.
2: I'll fall on the sword for that one. I'm sure <laughs> that was my bad. But
3: we did get engaged shortly thereafter, so it wasn't like that far off. You just presented her the newspaper and like, well, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: I guess we have to. So you met at UT. I mean, you were business majors? Um, he was. I was an advertising major.
5: Yeah. And we did not meet at UT. Actually, we went to the same junior high school together. Oh, and- are y'all
4: native Texans? yes yeah we're from dallas oh okay cool cool. yeah
5: richardson texas and we went to high school together and tiff doesn't like to admit this but she we went to high school prom together as well
4: i did not admit it i just said we went as friends (laughs) we did okay so (laughs) when did this love affair okay which came first cookies (laughs) or love um
2: love
5: Uh, yeah love and then cookies and then love again
2: (laughs) 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 because starting the business Oh, yeah. Add some cracks to
5: that. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, hot cookies, I'm sure that was an impossible feat when you first had this idea that you're going to deliver a box of warm cookies, or was that not the idea coming out of the game?
5: Well, it was. Uh, it, it all started because um, Tiff here stood me up on a date, and she felt bad, and I was, I think, rightfully not thrilled of being stand, stood up, and so.
4: So, I made a batch of apology cookies and drove them over to his house, and they just happened to be still warm, I guess, by the time I got him over there. So then, it was his idea, and said, "Hey, we should just deliver this. It'll be just like pizza delivery, but you know, with cookies. We'll do it at you know nights at school. So, um, it wasn't some big, long thought out thing. I mean, it was kind of one of those spur of the moment.
0: So, ideas. what were oh my those? Gosh.
2: What were those first That's deliveries amazing. like? Um, were you literally baking cookies, like under the radar, so that because the cottage law was there. oh, yes.
5: for sure, <laughs> okay. that law was not there. I think I think the statute of limitations is passed, so, <laughs> so we could talk about <laughs> we can talk about it. It was in my Hyde Park apartment." with my two roommates, we came back from uh, Christmas break and said, hey, we're uh, gonna start this business and they weren't too thrilled with it. But yes, it was out of our apartment and we're talking small time. Uh, I cleared out the top of my uh, chest drawers, which was my sock drawer, as a clean sock drawer. But that's where we would keep the chocolate chips and the M&Ms and the, all the little fixings and, <laughs> and when people would order cookies, we'd go to my sock drawer and pull out whatever flavor they ordered and start mixing it from there. So that's kind of Your a drawer tool. of tricks
4: yes and which mm-hmm. cookies
2: did you make and how did people order them
4: so um i i don't remember exactly which ones i want to say we had about five or six i know for sure we had chocolate chip m&m butterscotch chip um oatmeal chocolate chip mm-hmm. and then um people had to order by phone that first year because that was in 1999 and i think we got our website in 2000 Um, And I believe that's when we started also accepting online orders. But that first year was just by phone. So what we did was we um, purchased a cell phone because we didn't have one. So that way we would have a direct line. And we, we couldn't afford a business listing for the name of our company. So we just put in a personal listing as Tiffany S. Treats. And so that way, if you looked it up, it was cheaper.
5: And when you call caller ID, it would show up as Tiffany's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
4: Wow. And then you smarty pants got cookiedelivery.com. That's all her. Yeah. That was well, <laughs> I was concerned people wouldn't know how to spell that spell the name or is there an apostrophe or or what? And so I thought I said, Well, let's look for cookie delivery.com. It was the year two thousand. It was there. It was also early internet days when yeah. you, you mm-hmm. wanted a URL like that. And Exactly. Yeah. Plug it uh, into your Netscape web browser. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's what it
5: was.
2: <laughs> so you were um I, I we met up at a kitchen near UT. And you had maybe a handful, a dozen or more delivery drivers at that time. Now, where are you at in
4: terms of number of stores, number of drivers, number of cities? Um, yeah, we're at uh, 40. No, I always lose track. 47, I think. 47 new stores. Um, we're opening another one in a couple of weeks. Um, we've got almost a thousand employees and we're in how many cities? Eight, nine?
5: Eight s- cities, technically, um, and three states, right? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that.
4: What
3: was the, the first, I guess, the, your first delivery? Where, where did that recipe come from? Is that original?
4: Was oh, yeah. That's just, so I would make cookies for fun. It was like my hobby. And so my mom taught me how to do that. So the first cookies that we ever did was the same recipe that I sent over to his house. I and mean, we didn't tweak it at all. Um, and it's substantially the same today.
3: Wow. Did the cookies help when you got them?
5: Yeah. I couldn't stay mad at her. Perfect.
2: <laughs> and her charm. So uh, you got into the cookie business, but how long did it take for you to figure out that you were also in the joy business and also the condolences business? I mean, when people are sending cookies, it's for birthdays and anniversaries, but also when people die or are sick or have a baby or it's both the happy and sad moments of life.
5: Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, very early on, we started realizing, I-, I wish we could say we were smart enough to know and go in saying like, look, we're gonna we're gonna do this and this is what it's gonna be all about. But w- really our customers taught us um, our very first, Deliveries were all based on uh, occasions, somebody ordering for a birthday or somebody ordering um, as a condolence. And um, we really developed kind of our culture around the fact that we started realizing we get to make these amazing moments. I mean, uh, the story that I like to tell, and we teach this in our TIFFs 101 class, everybody has to come on board, Um, whether you're a delivery driver or we just hired a new COO, and they are all in a class. And in this class, they learn about TIFFs 101. And the the first thing that they learn about is like, we're all about making moments. What I like to tell them is a story that when people meet Tiff and I, they love to hear about or tell us about their first Tiff Treats experience. And the one we get the most is, hey, my wife and I, we had our firstborn. We're in the hospital. And my sister-in-law sent over three dozen cookies. And I remember at the end of that day, we're on the bed just enjoying our new family and having those cookies. And we'll never forget that day. It was one of the best days of our lives. And what we try to teach the staff is that It's really rare for a brand to kind of sneak into what is one of their best moments somebody's best moment in life but we we kind of get to do that
4: yeah so the interesting thing is when we started I think we were only thinking snacks we were students at the time we were thinking late-night snacks that's the only way we were looking at it we happened to decide with the packaging to wrap it with a bow and then customers just decided because of that to start sending it as gifts that wasn't even it wasn't even something that we offered right off the bat but it was so highly requested and then we've sort of moved into this and it took us some time um, to realize how important that was and a huge piece of our business. And, you know, you're talking about condolences. I think we we saw that even when we were back in college delivering, I remember um, doing, I, I think somebody's father had passed away and she was on the porch and we were able to come up and bring the cookies and, and offer that, that, that warmth and that comfort. Um, and so that's been like, that's actually one of the neatest parts about it because, um, you know, birthdays and anniversaries are awesome, but to be able to make an impact on somebody's lives and that's what we get, um, customers will email us. And so we get reinforced with that, just incredible stories about how we made a difference in their day or, or were able to comfort either them or a loved one. So that's been, a, that's, that's neat. And what it's done is it's given us purpose.
0: Yeah.
5: And one of, one of my favorite stories that we had from someone who was answering the phone, um, they took an order and um, this, this employee loves telling the story and it was from um, an admin at an office and she was a longtime admin of her boss and they got to talking and she was ordering cookies and um, they asked her, why, why are you ordering cookies? And she said, well, my boss's um, mother recently passed away and he used to always tell us uh, that when he was a kid and every time it rained uh, when he was at school, he got to come home and he knew there'd be warm cookies. So that was their thing. And this is the first day it rained since his mom passed away, so she wanted to go ahead and order cookies for him. And so stuff like that is just floors you.
3: That's so sweet. I mean, we have Tiff Streets all the time in the newsroom, and I, I guess I it to with being so many locations, but we have, as a news like web desk, have sent cookies to the Dallas Morning News whenever they were dealing, like, working nonstop on the uh, shootings that happened up there in about 2016, 20, or mm-hmm. 2018. shootings, yeah. yeah. one of those. And then, mm-hmm.
2: likewise, they sent cookies down here when the bombings were
3: happening, right? Yeah. yeah. It was just, mm-hmm. like, kind of like, hey, we're all in this together, and we're thinking about you, and it's
2: been pretty great <laughs> <to get. laughs> It's like cookies being this uh,
4: primal bonding experience. It is. Yeah, it, we it,
5: call it, it, it warm cookies, warm moments. That's yeah, it's something
4: love. about that nostalgic of the product, and then the fact that it's warm, and the other thing is that it's shareable, and it's a treat. And so it just kind of brings people together, no matter the occasion.
2: So how quickly are you gonna open up in Southwest Missouri? Because I think about that at least several <laughs> times a month because I wanna say cookies <laughs> to my family. I know everybody's asking you, when are you gonna to go to you know, California or you know, Oregon or something? How do you make those decisions about growth?
4: Those decisions are kind of tough because you just have this huge wide open landscape and you can really go anywhere except that we only wanna grow as fast as we wanna grow. So we have to choose. Um, and so right now we're in Texas and Atlanta and Nashville. And then we'll be growing from there into new markets. But Why don't you tell her how we came up with Atlanta? Like why? Yeah, applied? so for Atlanta, so the one that was the first outside of Texas, we were looking for something that was kind of similar to Texas because we wanted to change as few variables as at once as we could. So we're looking for something with relatively warm weather, something that was like a vibrant city that had lots of business districts because we do a lot of deliveries to people at work. Um, and then something that was close to us we could get to on a direct flight
5: yeah we didn't we didn't want to learn how to deliver in a big city on bikes yet mm-hmm. we'll get there eventually right yeah but, but for now we wanted to keep everything the
4: same. or in minnesota where it's really cold and yeah, the yeah, cookies the col- i stay mean warm. the cold scares yeah. us yeah. i mean we will do it but we didn't want it to be very first so we're trying to like creep up slowly yeah.
2: what were the specific problems related to cookies that you had to troubleshoot early on like the packaging is always of note to me that you know you figured out how to get an insulated box so that it, they would stay
4: warmer longer yeah the uh, you know what we we originally we would put foil inside of our box and really the most of that was to keep the outside of the box clean Mm -hmm. because the hot product will like seep through Mm. um and so you mean the gooey chocolate yeah like all (laughs) the all the yummy stuff would make marks on the outside of the box so we would put foil in um and that was that was difficult to do because that would be a manual process and it was never the right size never no matter how many times you train somebody where to where to rip it um, and so over time, you know, that was one of our big innovations was that we got our own um, custom foil lined boxes. So it's in a bakery box, but inside 100 percent of it is coated with this foil lining. Mm-hmm. And so it helps with the warmth, um, but it also helps, you know, keep all that inside.
5: Yeah, because we're a premium product. We want the box on the outside to look as shiny and pretty as possible.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, the very, from the very first day we did a bakery box with a bow on it. I think with foil on the inside. And so today, we essentially do that exact same thing. It's just that our logo is printed on the box. Now it's got the foil inside the ribbons a little bit nicer, the way we stack the cookies is nicer. So we keep evolving and evolving. But if you look at a picture of that 20 years ago to today, it's the same idea. Is bow tying a part of tiffs 101 yeah it's a big deal
5: (laughs) yeah at the retreat we actually have a bow tying contests uh, at our at our corporate retreat yeah
4: we have certain people that are really like you know them you could name them oh this person this person this person this person is definitely going to be in the boat so we do olympics and so you get to do your own sport like oven mitt toss well that one's just silly but you just toss an oven mitt across the room and then the other the other person sees if they can catch it on their hand
5: box folding
4: Box folding was box. the big one. So, you know, the the, the boxes come flat. And sure, so we sure, have sure. to fold them. And so bo- this informally, people do box folding races all the time. So for Olympics, that was a huge one. We had a ton of people. And then we did it by... Um, TIFF's Olympics, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we had two people that tied. And so we're like, okay, let's do it again. They tied again. And oh, then wow. it was crazy. The crowd, there was about 100 of us <laughs> yeah. maybe at the retreat. And the crowd was just going... Wild! It was like insane, <laughs> and then they did a the third time, and one of them edged the other one out, and it was crazy. That was like the most fun. I rem- I, I know what it's like to like just you. Be- if it's a mindless activity at one point because when I worked at my first
3: job was at Cinemark, like you just build those like kid boxes, and mm-hmm. it just becomes like origami of like mm-hmm. muscle memory. That's yeah, been
2: awesome. Well, the fact that you have created all these mini cookie factories and all these not a fact. I mean, to have the production that you have where all the cookies are the same and you have the the taste is the same and the size is the same and the boxes that look the same to replicate that across all of your markets and all of these little neighborhood baking. They're like mini baking factories. I just mm-hmm.
5: they commend really you are. for
2: figuring that out. Well, thank you. No thanks. small feat.
5: Oh, uh, we're still trying to figure that out. That's the hardest part we think yeah. about expanding is figuring yeah. out how to make everything uniform but then you also don't want to lose your soul. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know?
4: when we first opened in Dallas, so our Dallas location was actually our second location ever and so immediately we were doing two different completely off-site and and for the management team there we kept thinking well let's empower them to feel like this is their store and you know we don't want to step on them too much and over the course of a year or two we would go visit and every once every time we would go in we we're like hmm it's a little different it's a little different and eventually they were rolling their their Um, dough was larger they had their oven set to a different temperature to accommodate it and so they were coming out with something that was different than what we were selling in austin and so that's one of those learning curves where you learn is okay what's the balance you know we want people to be empowered to feel like this is their store but at the same time we have to have exacting standards across the board so yeah that's a that's a learning piece Okay, so 20 years, you've
2: had the opportunity to deliver cookies to a lot of businesses and nonprofits. You have a lot of nonprofit friends in Austin and beyond. Tell us how you are incorporating them into your 20th anniversary celebrations.
4: Yeah, we were really excited. We're just deciding what should we do for the 20th anniversary. It's such a big deal to us. And we thought, well, what better way than to get everybody involved in a charitable way? So we put out an application process for charities to apply and Anybody who was accepted through that process got a code, and for every single order that is placed with that particular code in January, we're donating 10% of that sale to their charity. And then at the end of the month, the one that has the highest dollar sales is gonna get $20,000, a check from us for $20,000. So it's been really fun. And we've seen a lot of engagement through it. And so we just love it. We, we love doing that. It engages our team, it engages the community. And um, it's an exciting time for us. Yeah,
5: all of our communities, because we're doing this in every mm-hmm. one of our markets.
2: You also have Andy Roddick and Brooklyn Decker on board these days. Tell us how that partnership's working.
4: Oh, it's awesome. They are such a fun couple. And they're just a really great fit for us. So it's working great. We've filmed um, three commercials. Is it three? Yeah. yeah three. One each and then one of them together. They're awesome. They were such a hit. Um, on set, they're just really pros. And um, so we did that and and they they support us with getting the word out. um, And so they've been a neat partner.
5: Yeah, they've just been wonderful partners and we're gonna do a lot more with them coming up, in fact.
2: Well, people can stay tuned to uh, your social media channels for some info about a South by Southwest party that will be coming up if you are a badge holder. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, my last couple of questions are, one, do you ever get tired of the smell of cookies? And two, uh, what is your very favourite cookie
5: after all these years?
4: So one, I think if you're in the store, you can't smell it. I think that's what anybody would say. Because you get nose blind to it? You do. Yeah,
5: mm. I was uh, I was working out once at the gym and then these three guys were working out next to me and I heard one guy say to the other guy, dude, do you smell like cookies or something? And I swear to God, I was so embarrassed and I raised my hand. I was like, I'm sorry, that's me. And apparently <laughs> I just walk around smelling like cookies this is a long time ago when i was in the stores company.
4: we used to have this friend that would come over to our house and i had we had like a coat rack when you first came in and my purse was on it and he would come in first thing he would do was smell my purse i was like dude that's gross he was like i'm <laughs> telling you it smells so good
3: it's in your dna
4: it's <laughs> yeah. a good smell that I have actually and then do you
2: still do you have a favorite cookie uh,
4: yeah oatmeal chocolate chip is my favorite yeah
5: uh, Snickerdoodles is mine, yes. but for that's off the regular menu. But we have special flavors every once in a while. And Red Velvet and Banana Nut, we do about once or twice a year. And those two are my favorite off the menu.
4: Yeah, flavors. I like Milk Chocolate Toffee, we'll do sometimes. We have a Salted Caramel coming up later this year that's really good. What's the most polarizing cookie? A butterscotch chip, which is we pulled. Actually, ah. we pulled it. It was right after that story that we did oh, with yes. you at our tenure. It was yeah. part of our 10-year anniversary was that, uh, oh, no, that's not when we pulled butterscotch. That's when we added peanut butter chocolate chip. But we pulled butterscotch. We did a March Madness a few years back and put butterscotch against some other flavors of the week and then put them in a contest, and chocolate chip pecan ended up dethroning butterscotch chips.
5: And we- the hate email we got, and we still get on social media, is unbelievable. It's like we insulted their child to their face. It's Cookie haters? I mean cookie hates butterscotch, butterscotch lovers, lovers oh, okay mainly. okay
2: that's true yeah i think yeah. people feel pretty strongly i thought you
4: were gonna say oatmeal raisin that seems to be the most controversial cookie that i, love I oh
3: oatmeal. really yeah well yeah, I, you're not wrong
4: i think you're right in that it, a lot of people love it a lot of people dislike it i'm not an oatmeal raisin person but i do understand that it's popular well a few years ago
2: you helped us judge our cookie contest yeah and i'll never forget you saying we draw the line at raisins <laughs> yeah we don't <laughs> dried
4: fruit there are no more no more dried fruit in our cookies except for raisins that's, that's right it. and they always always bring them to me dried fruit ideas mm-hmm. always and I'm taste testing I'm like, I'm telling you mm-hmm. uh, it's they not gonna sell. get through yeah, they, they don't, don't sell yeah yeah, yeah you got to use fresh fruit so like for the banana nut that's fresh bananas and we did an apple cinnamon once that was so good with fresh apples problem is it's super sticky so mm-hmm. our staff like hates it when we do things like that the banana nut is too but um yeah if you don't use fresh fruit it just doesn't play
3: do you kind of like go through your memories according to like cookies? Because I just see in the conversation, no, 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 that wasn't butterscotch. No, those better nuts. <laughs> yeah. That's right. like it through... seems like there's like milestone <laughs> moments. Yeah, for sure. We go through
5: milestones <laughs> based on our uh, our personal life, based on how, m- how many stores or what store opening. We were in 2006, we were on the beach in Jamaica, uh, one of our only vacations we could take in working on our Dallas store layout, right? And mm-hmm. then we, 2010, when we got married, it was over something else.
4: What about when the twins were born? When the twins were born? Um, you know what I think about that was that we were building our very first office. So I, I remember because I hobbled around to do a site tour of it to show everybody how it was going. And that day I was like, gosh, I just it's all I can do to walk through this office right now. I feel so bad. The twins were born like. 12 hours later
5: (laughs) she had preeclampsia it turns out she should have been at the hospital (laughs) well i wanted to
4: make it to this particular meeting on september 22nd and my cto who had had kids before kept telling me hand off all your stuff to me before that meeting i was like no 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 you know i wasn't due to even deliver until october 8th i was like no no i'll i'll be good and she's like, mm. "Well, I ended up having on on September 24th, so we kind of both won." I was like, "I told you I'd make that meeting." <laughs>
2: I'm you, now you have some cookie-loving kids. Uh, sure. Yeah, we, we do. do. <laughs>
5: they actually really, really love cookies. Yeah.
2: Good. Well, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Congrats on 20 years! Thanks for delivering all those cookies and Yay. bringing so much joy to people in Austin. Thank you for having us.
5: Yeah, thank you for all your support over the years too.
2: Who was the best musician in Austin last year? What about the best venue? Let's find out from Austin 360 music writers, Peter Blackstock, and Deborah
1: Sagupta stick
2: So we're going to talk about the Austin 360 Awards. Your babies?
1: Yes. This is year two for the Austin 360 Awards. We rolled it out last year, kind of figured out what we were doing with it and refined the process a little bit and did year two this year. That's awesome. And how many artists,
2: bands, venues were you able to honor this year? About Dozens?
0: A couple dozen, I yeah. would say. Yeah. I mean, they're winners in, I think it was six or maybe seven six categories. Six or seven categories and then,
1: the five five top uh, vote getters for yeah. each category. Yeah, so like a winner
0: and four runners up. Yeah.
1: So
2: how did you develop the categories, even develop this system in the first place?
1: Well, to give you a little background, our idea was, uh, as we come to the end of the year, everybody does their year-end list of the best uh, music in Austin, and a lot of that is is subjective. I mean, there are some things you can say, you know, Shaky Graves sold out Red Rocks last year, obviously a huge accomplishment, but in terms of actually judging what is the best album of the year— It's really subjective. And so we thought that it would be good to bring in some more voices other than just Peter and I, who obviously each have our own personal tastes and uh, biases or what have you. And so we started reaching out to folks from the industry, folks from the clubs, folks from radio stations, other journalists uh, to try to create a big jury pool.
0: And another point there is that We didn't want to make it just an open ballot thing because it's just too easy for those to be subject to ballot stuffing Mm -hmm. and people sending in, you know, however many voting a billion times. So between the two
2: of you, you sort of narrowed it down to what you figured the top choices would be in each of the categories and then sit that out to the
1: no voters? we actually uh we actually send a, a request for um candidates out yeah. to
0: all of our voters it's mm. a two two rounds voting process mm-hmm. one for nominations and then one for the final
1: yeah, the, yeah. T- the top names that come up in the nominations end up being the ones that are voted on what were some of the surprising names that floated to the top when you were in that process
2: i'm sure you discovered maybe some either new artists or albums you hadn't caught yet
1: well, Quinn NFN is uh this rapper who's seventeen years old and is blowing up on the YouTubes. He is putting out these videos that have millions upon millions of views and he wasn't exactly on my radar. I had heard about him, but I just didn't realize how much heat he was actually coming up with. Sure. So, did he end up winning? No, he did not hey, you're,
2: it's, at a certain point you're a winner just because you get to the, the finalist stage yes. and maybe in the pages of the Austin American Statesman soon.
0: Well, and one that we I wouldn't say was a surprise, but I, it was a little bit of a surprise to me that they won their, their category was, was Black Pumas who won for Song of the Year for Black Moon Rising just because they're very new. This was their, their first year and, and uh, Deborah wrote about them as one of our Artists of the Month earlier this year. So we knew how good they were, but it was nice to see them already getting that sort of props for, for Song of the Year in Austin by their peers. Shoot
1: was overwhelming in that category some of our categories were really really close uh, but that one was not close what were some of the other categories where there was just a clear winner um artist of the year Jackie Venson uh I feel like people were really excited Jackie she went to Europe four times last year she released a new single every month uh she works harder than anybody in town and is has just got a really really smart way of engaging with her fan base and has just grown so much as an artist.
2: Goodbye. Change the world. You must change yourself. Raise the vibration of someone
4: else. There's some
0: interesting continuity there, too, within our own uh, awards thing here, because she was our breakout artist of the year last year. And mm. so people recognized her last year for... She's starting to make that big step, and this year they felt like you know she had made that big step and actually finished a top artist of the year this year.
1: Uh, What were some of the categories where it was really close? Um, I feel like uh, residency of the year was pretty close Uh, for a while. uh, There was a a giant dog held a month-long residency at Beerland that people were real excited about, but there was also that Black Pumas residency, which when they did that at Seaboys, people were... Super excited about that. And Album of the Year, I feel like, was also I think I, that's what I was going to say was,
0: was Album of the Year is the one I remember as being close. Shaky Graves was the winner there, and I think that kind of made the most sense, and I think his record had more impact beyond Austin nationally than any other Austin record this year. There weren't any huge, obvious ones like a Gary Clark record mm-hmm. or uh, Spoon or somebody who is just universally known. It was more a sort of a contest between... Artists who are on the way up.
2: So who were the other ones that
1: were battling it out with Shaky Grapes? Molly um, Birch was in there. Um, Mobley was in there. Mm-hmm. Mobley was, uh, he was number two, I think, uh, which that uh, album is really great. He's been been—he's been releasing singles for that album for a while, but um, it's really good. And the good. other
0: two were uh, Jamie Harris and Abby the Nomad.
1: Yeah, Abi the Nomad, who, um, yeah, is a new artist, uh, new to Austin uh, from New Delhi, India, who released a really good rap album last year that a lot of people were really excited about. He also got a nod for Song of the Year for Sex and Drugs. Ooh, I just
2: heard a song of his on the radio this morning. Yes. That was pretty cool. Uh, What are some of the other categories that we haven't touched on yet?
1: There's a DJ dance party, uh, which, you know, no big surprise there. Our uh, top party rocker in Austin, DJ Mel, ended up taking the honors on that, which I hadn't realized, I guess I kind of knew, but that he actually spins for the UT football games Mm. and the UT basketball games. Mm. And he said uh, for the UT football games, he actually stands right next to the announcer in the booth and is spinning like the walkout music and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and then we mentioned briefly the the residency of the year category. That that's an interesting one and a little bit of a difficult one because we didn't ask people to separate residencies that were like temporary, like a band plays a club for for every week for a month or or once a month for a year from the from the more typical ones, which are like week in and week out all the. The way legacy
2: residencies. Yeah, we might say. Which
0: there are lots of in Austin. And the winner for that one was one of these temporary ones when a giant dog played at Beerland every Thursday for a month in, uh, I think it was February of last year. And that was, I think, a, a, a great call because how often do you get to see a band that good in such a small room on a mm-hmm. on a repeated basis like that? But one of the cool things is that an outgrowth of in a way, an outgrowth of, of doing this and thinking about these residencies uh, got us jump-started toward doing a new series called Residen- Residency of the Month that's going to be Uh, we kicked off in January with a sort of a broad overview of of so many of the ones that go on in town, and we're going to be highlighting one every month for the next year.
1: When are you revealing the February pick? Well, we can go ahead and reveal it now. Let's do it. Margaret Wright at Skylark Lounge on uh, Thursdays and Fridays at happy hour time from 6 to 8 p.m.
2: Has that been going for a while, or is that a new one?
1: No, that's been going on since the club opened. She was actually their first signature event. She was the first person that uh, owner Johnny Latouf talked into playing there.
0: Yeah, she's been doing this forever. She used to play at the Driscoll and mm-hmm. uh, and lots of places around town. And, yeah, the Driscoll
1: and, uh, and uh, all of the gay bars mm-hmm. and Cedar Street, mm-hmm. a bunch of places downtown, Egos. I'm sure when you set out to do these awards, it was a way to
2: honor the musicians, the residencies, the people around town who make Austin, live music in Austin, what it is. But it's also a reader service because when you know readers open up the paper, they can flip through and get kind of a, a condensed version of what is happening right now? Oh, looking back at the past year, the top albums, the top performers, um, have you been hearing from any of them about new discoveries that they've made or I don't know, what's been the reader response?
1: I haven't had a whole lot of uh, reader response. I did hear from some artists who were feeling a little bit out of sorts about the way the top categories came out, which, you know, it's, it's bound to happen. Uh, you put a lot of thought into how you curated it, though. Yes, Yes.
0: Yeah, I think the whole point was was just to get more voices in it besides just Deborah and ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do a, a, best of, the year, records list at the end of the year too, and I enjoy doing that. But it's nice here to hear from a scope beyond, mm-hmm. uh, beyond my own listening.
2: Where it's not quite a popularity contest, right across the board, but it's still more people chiming in.
1: Yeah. And yeah. people who really know, people who who really live and breathe music mm-hmm. day in and day out. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, yeah, the club people, the industry folks, these are the people who have boots on the ground and who really know what's going on with the industry. And I think I feel really good about that.
2: Well, we look forward to hearing more. Uh, Deborah, you have uh, had some awesome interviews with the Artist of the Month. Peter, you too. In the coming months, we're going to have Residencies of the Month and artists of the Month for both of you on the show. So thanks so much for your contributions and for rounding up these awards for us. Sure thing. Thank you, Eddie. And now we've come to the part of the show we call a toast, where we will all share something we're really into right now. Eric Webb, what, what are you into?
6: I have some zeitgeist for you. So I think we've all heard of Russian Doll, the new Netflix series. Mm. Yes. Yes. It's Why? very bingeable? Uh, it stars ta- Natasha Lyonne from *Orange Is the New Black*, so she has, I think, now ascended to the position of like head Netflix celebrity because this is now two Netflix hit shows that she has been on. Uh, it's also co-produced by it's co-produced by Natasha Lyonne, Amy Poehler, and Leslie Headland. And *Russian Doll* is it's it's sort of like a surrealist science fiction dark comedy with some drama also in there as well. It is thirty eight eight episodes, I think thirty minutes a piece. Thirty eight? No, eight episodes at, thir- oh, at thirty like, minutes. Apiece. Wow, that would be definitely that would be a real Russian doll. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but short version of the premises: Natasha Lyonne plays a woman who keeps dying in a variety of sometimes comedic ways, and every time she dies, she wakes back up at her birthday party. So,
3: oh, wow, how interesting.
6: There's been a lot of Groundhog day comparisons, which I don't think are entirely fair because it's actually so much deeper. And what it ends up being by the end of the season is this sort of metaphysical look at grief and addiction and loneliness and you know, how we let people in or how we don't let people in and how much like we actually need each other. Uh, it is real cool and you don't even really realize that that's happening until it kind of like sneaks up on you and gets because it gets like trippier and trippier and trippier as the show goes on it's absolutely wonderful it's a breeze to watch and I cannot recommend it highly enough I have always
2: loved her stage presence yeah you know she just carries herself and she's such an awesome queen and she has been since she was like a teen actor
6: Mm -hmm. well she's also one of those actors who's always sort of playing herself Mm -hmm. but she's sort of like turns her character it's not like she can't act she can definitely act she's just bending the characters Mm -hmm. into her own like force of nature personality and this
2: is the first show that she has really been the headliner for
6: right I think so yeah yeah, that's really
2: cool Um, okay I'll go next because I just finished the most fantastic bowl of Sichuan noodles that I didn't know what was in the noodles so I used my Google Translate app and I was showing my colleagues in the podcast room how this worked and I had this realization that not everybody knows how this works so Google Translate has an app that is an augmented reality app and what you can do is you open the app and you actually turn on the camera function and you can put the phone, you know, basically you're like, you're taking a picture of something that you don't speak. And so in this case, it was Chinese. Um, I have used this app in Sweden uh, where it's, I mean, it's easier to read the characters in Sweden than it is in would be in China. Um, but then it actually will sh- display the text in English or whatever language you choose on the photo. So that's the only augmented reality that I use. I mean, my kids are really into Pokemon Go, but for me, this is my version of Pokemon Go. Uh, So my specific toast is to download the Google Translate app on your phone if you don't have it already, and then go to one of the amazing Asian markets in the city. Use your phone to go to the ramen slash noodle section and buy at least $20 worth of noodles you've never had before. Because this package that I got, I couldn't tell you the brand. I'd have to do a little bit more Googling to actually share the specific recommendation, but it had these pink peppercorns that were tingling on my tongue even as we speak. And there were these wide, flat noodles. And it had all the seasonings like a ramen packet would, but they were wide, flat noodles from China.
6: Truly real life sci-fi.
2: This is true. I I, I mean, what better way to use augmented reality than to fill your belly? As we saw, though, in the Super Bowl, they had uh, an amazing ad for Google Translate where they were showing all the ways that people, when they're traveling, say thank you and hello and I love you, that those are sort of the The primary things that people are still saying to each other, and it was really it pulled on my little heartstrings. I don't know about you.
3: Oh, I didn't yeah. watch the Super Bowl. So that's well, nice to know.
2: I had complicated feelings about watching it, but all I know is that SpongeBob got like shafted.
3: That's all. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Oh, this. I
2: didn't see that part. <laughs> I did see there was an HeB ad that was really funny. Uh, oh, that's good. About like a guy who was stranded on a desert island. Until, like, essentially a knockoff Yeti cooler shows up with all these HEB branded products, and he's like, I don't need to go anywhere. Was it now. a
3: Cody? Like, yeah, I think <laughs> so. Was, like, yeah. Really off brand Okay, so Alyssa, what are you into these days? Something that is not off brand. I'm actually going to toast something that I'm wearing right now. I don't know if y'all can guess. This cute sweater. I, wrong but it is from actually i am I outfit in mod cloth i'm like a zoe Deschanel paper doll right now i think it's um, going
6: to be related to your famously vibrant hair
3: right oh so i have constantly dyed my hair like a really hot pink mar- magenta but really going for baby uh, baby pink for i don't know years now um but like it fades and with south by coming up and my like hair appointment coming up and like right at the end of south by like getting ready for star wars celebration I really wanted to try something to kind of like lift myself up, so I can kind of like you know stand on on the red carpet when we doing interviews. And I've always seen these ads for Overtone, and what it is, it's not necessarily a hair dye more than it is a conditioner. Hmm. All, and right now, like I put it on my hair last night. The instructions say to like do it for eh, ten to fifteen minutes with wet hair. I put it on for an hour, and I use this extreme vibrant pink. They have three levels, like. Uh, whatever pink, vibrant, and extreme. I went extreme because I, y- you never know how much it'll show up.
6: Gotta go extreme.
3: So I went extreme. I put some vibrant purple, which is like the second stage of purple, and put it on my hair for an hour. And I came out like a freaking Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, this is extremely pink. It's gorgeous. Yeah. This
2: is the pinkest I've seen your hair in a long time. And
3: this was $30. I was gonna ask, where do you get it? It's uh, uh, overtone.com. Okay. But it's not
2: commercially available at, like, I Walgreens mean,
3: there probably is. Uh... No, actually, I think they're just online, but you can, it comes in like these gigantic like vats that are about 30 bucks each. And then they can, you can also buy like little testers and except and this is called like the deep conditioning, but you can also buy like a daily conditioner. So if you have like already dyed hair, each time you shower your hair, you can just put in the conditioner that kind of like lifts your color a little bit. And they have pinks and teals and rose gold and all this stuff. But it's like, I can see how I can maintain this and I can actually work out. Because I don't, I was always scared to work out because I didn't want to like wash my hair and then fade it out and then have to spend 300 bucks again. But So your hair has this, to already be
2: dyed. You can't like go from brown to teal
3: with just the conditioner? I mean, Brandon, like this is all in here because my hair is like already highlighted. Yeah. But you can create like a really genuine sheen to your hair that'll like annihilate in the sunlight. Oh. So wow. I'm
2: re- like, this is a freaking conditioner. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. And I use a ton of conditioner. Now you've got me thinking, what color would I dare wear? Eric, you had lighter hair last oh, year. Oh, yeah, and now
6: your hair's burning. I've up. done it for right? I, ride. As Say Anything, the band Say Anything once uh, saying, my hair cannot mm-hmm. com- cannot commit to one popular genre of music. So um, <laughs> I, I could definitely have seen myself when I was doing the platinum, mm-hmm. uh, going for one of these vibrant hues. And listeners, honestly, as a firsthand witness, you truly cannot tell this is not hair dye. This looks...
2: I was actually going to comment earlier that I thought, hey, nice nice hair (laughs) eye, Alyssa. (laughs)
3: Thanks. Yeah, just uh, if you really want to see it, you can go to my Instagram at Instalissa and um, just be transfixed by this, I guess, (laughs) ad for overtone. But yeah, I'm really freaking surprised that it actually came out this pink. Cool.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining me today, and I'll see you next week. Cheers.
3: That's our show thanks for listening. Our theme music is provided by local band Heartproof. To keep up with us online, we are Love Austin 360 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the Features staff at the Austin American Statesman, and the show is produced by Alyssa Vidalis and Addie Broyles. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch us an idea for the show or give us some feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave us a voicemail at 512-912-2504. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears,
2: your comments, and the heart-shaped candies that you saved from last Valentine's Day. Until next week, we'll see you lining up to grab the last minute flowers for your sweetheart.